Hello and welcome to the eTalking podcast from Motion E, the place to go for the hottest takes from electric motorsport, including Formula E and electric vehicles. I'm Stuart Garlic. You can visit the site at motione.org if you want to catch up on what's on there. I've got an interview with Geox Dragon Racing's new signing, Brendan Hartley, as he makes the switch from Formula 1 to Formula E and much more where that came from. You can subscribe to Motion E on Patreon for exclusive articles and the chance to shape what content we produce in the coming months for as little as $1 per month. If you want to take this relationship to the next level, bop on over to patreon.com and search for Motion E. In this podcast, I'm talking to Indra Flack, the renowned portrait photographer from Worcestershire, UK, who set off on a journey to photograph the greatest ever living British racing drivers for her GVRD exhibition, currently open at the Silverstone Experience as of early 2020. I do say in the podcast, mind you, she is she has every living world champion, but her ambition next is to get Lewis Hamilton to be part of the exhibition. Let's keep our fingers crossed for her. She does, though, talk about her experience photographing people like Formula E driver Sam Bird, Formula E team bosses Alan McNish and Susie Wolfe, and, of course, Formula E commentator and Indy 500 legend Dario Franchitti. We talk about them, plus Nigel Mansell, Sterling Moss, and many, many more. With no further ado, here's the podcast welcome to the podcast um and uh, so let's let's introduce you uh, because um th- there, there might be some people who uh, um don't know who you are so uh, you're a portrait photographer but uh, maybe let's go through a little bit of your background so for how long have you been taking pictures and um well could you tell us maybe some of the some of the photographs that are on your cv to begin with oh gosh um i've been a uh... A, photo, a photo, photographer, a photographer for um, almost 30 years now. Um, I started off as a photographic assistant when I moved down to London after degree photography courses and things like that um, and uh, worked as a photographic assistant to lots of different photographers in lots of different areas. So uh, still life, food, location, fashion. Didn't didn't work with that many portrait photographers, but the very last photographer that I did work with was a portrait people photographer, and he was the person who got me interested in portraiture and being able to turn up at a location, assess what was available and how you were going to do the picture, and do it and be out in 20 minutes if you needed to, uh, which was brilliant. So um, I have a lot to thank him for. Ian Bradshaw is his name. Um, So yes, that's how I became a a portrait photographer. And I started off on, well, Ian actually was brilliant because he loved playing golf. And after a while, after he kind of, we'd worked for, uh, together for a while, um, he used to say, oh, I want to go and play golf on whatever day, but we're shooting, you know, for you magazine or whoever. How about you go and do the shoot 
and I'll go and play golf. I'll pay you my fee, the photographer's fee, and I'll take your assistance fee. How does that sound? It's like, sounds great to me. <laughs> so, uh, so that's what we did. Um, and so the first shoot that I did on that basis was Mary Berry oh. in, her, in her kitchen um, for a U magazine for um, a little story called Arga Sagas. And we were photographing different people with their augers and they were telling their story. And at the time, Mary Berry did auger cooking lessons in mm. her kitchen. Um, so I went off and photographed Mary Berry in her kitchen and Ian went off and played golf. And the magazine were none the wiser. They, they never knew. And we did confess a few years later and they said, not bothered because we couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> so... <laughs> So uh, that was kind of my first, uh, I think that was probably my first job. <laughs> and of course, this was a long time pre-Bake Off. So it was before yes. it was before she went stratospheric, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, it was. It was last century. <laughs> um, how, how did you learn photography? Did you learn it in the formal way or were you self-taught or? Um, I did. I went to college. I went mm. to art college Um I did a two-year foundation course after O-levels. That's how old I am, um, which was fantastic. It was absolutely brilliant. And we did photography as part of the foundation course. Um, and I enjoyed it, but I never kind of thought, oh, I'm going to be a photographer uh, because I was into fabric printing at that point. I'd done fabric printing at school and I really enjoyed it. Um, so that was my aim. It was to go and do a fabric printing degree so that was what I was uh, was sort of aiming for, and then um, I went I went to college um, to do degree, and it was all a bit of a um, all a bit of a trauma, <laughs> which worked out perfectly in the end, um, because my I went to my first choice college for my interview, didn't get in there, and then they would send your application to your second choice if there were any places left or your third choice. Um, and my form just disappeared into mm. the abyss. Um, so never turned up at my second or third choice college. Um, and by the time we'd sort of worked out what had happened, there were no places left anywhere and it was all a complete disaster. And I was thinking, oh my God, what am I going to do? So I had to wait for the pool places to come out, which I did. And the only two colleges left that did anything to do with fabric printing were Ulster and um, North Staffordshire Polytechnic. Hmm. Um, and I didn't want to go to Ulster. So North Staff's Poly was my choice. And I went there and got in. But their course, luckily, as it turned out, was a multidisciplinary design course. Try okay. saying that after a few beers. Um, <laughs> And so you had 10 different areas. And in the first term, it was like an extension of the um, uh, foundation course. So you could you could take your main area, which for me was the fabric printing, which was actually called surface pattern there because you printed on other things as well, textiles, uh, um, um, ceramics and glass and anything you could print on basically, which sounded amazing. So um, I did that with photography and I can't remember what my third choice was now, but I really enjoyed the photography 
module and just thought, oh, that would be photography will go really well with with surface pattern for, you know, um, collecting uh, information and ideas and all that kind of stuff. And um, and then I went into the surface pattern module and absolutely hated it. Oh. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, God, this is a complete disaster. I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and my tutors said to me, well, listen, why don't you go back into photography? Because you really enjoyed it um, and you were actually quite good at it. So go back into photography for the rest of the term and see what you think and then make a decision. And I tell you, it was the best advice I ever got um, at college because it was just perfect and I loved it. And that's that it all worked out. Well, um, this is really interesting advice for a lot of people because uh, I, I think probably a lot of people who listen to this program have changed their career at some point. And indeed, um, the, the topic that we're getting on to, a lot of racing drivers have had to change their career. Um yeah. A regular partner of mine on the podcast, Comrade O'Keefe, he's a huge fan of the driver Pierre Gasly, who um, is from France, and um, he's had a few career wobbles, but seems to be on a good track now. So I, I, I guess what you've just said is a good lesson for um, any form of life, really, isn't it? So don't be afraid yes. to change your mind, to turn around yeah. and do something else. And sometimes things that seem to be a complete disaster at the time work out absolutely brilliantly i mean not obviously it doesn't always happen like that but for me that disaster of my form getting lost in the post was brilliant <laughs> worked out absolutely perfectly because frankly i think i would have been a pretty rubbish fabric designer <laughs> well, i you... think I think I'm a better photographer than I would have been a fabric designer. <laughs> I, I guess I guess we'll never know. But what we do well, know yeah. is that uh, you um, are the um, the person who has created the exhibition GBRD, Great British Racing Drivers, which is uh, on show at the Silverstone Experience. Now, let's drill into this slowly. So um, what is the Silverstone Experience for those who don't know? Uh, the Silverstone Experience is... A brand new um, interactive motorsport museum, um, which I think is um, just hold on a minute. I'm going to have to check the details because sure I need thing. to get this right. Hold on. Um, let me just check for you. Sorry, I should know That's it right. off by heart by now, but I don't. Okay, and I want to get it right for them. Okay, I'm going to read it off my mm -hmm. press release, which is the information they gave me. So, okay, the Silverstone Experience is a brand new visitor attraction um, at Silverstone, obviously. Um, and visitors can take a two and a half hour journey, depending on how fast you walk around it and how much you spend on the interactive, how much time you spend on the interactive bits. Um, and it celebrates the past, present and future of Silverstone. So it's got lots of stories of the great sporting rivalries, engineering innovations and lots of state of the art interactive um, displays. It's got film, it's got archive film um, and imagery 
that will appeal and entertain all age groups. It's open every day except for Christmas Day. And tickets are sold in time slots allocations. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's it. But it's it's um, well worth a visit. Really interesting place. I mean, I mm. as I say, I'm not a major motorsport um, person, but um, yeah, it's it's fascinating going around it, and it's lovely because it's interactive. You get to pretend to change tires. <laughs> and things like that which is hilarious because the i can't believe the weight of those those guns that those guys wield um and things like that but yeah it's good and you can you can you can do a commentary on a race um you can do because um silverstone used to be an airfield hmm. in world war Two. they've got anti-aircraft guns so you can you can shoot down <laughs> shoot oh, <wow>. down <laughs> aircraft and all sorts of stuff so uh there's a little bit of a uh, little bit of that as well as motorsport so yeah interesting place but uh, changing the tires reminds me uh there, there's a chap called mark Priestley, uh, who is a broadcaster who used to used to actually work or uh, work for mclaren um and he was one of the people who was in the pit crew so he would occasionally have to change the front wing on kimmy raikkonen's car that kind of mm. thing mm. and um he he does these uh, regular talks now where he goes to companies and talks about teamwork and how changing a tire is a bit like you know working in a high performing team in the office that kind of thing and yeah it, it just makes me think a lot of people probably think it's really difficult to change a tire but then probably as many people think it's really difficult correctly to take a good picture so uh, um what what would you say would you say there's a kind of universal secret to taking a good portrait picture of somebody whether they're a racing driver or a film star or broadcaster whatever um i think it's i think generally with photography obviously everybody has phones now and everybody takes pictures but it's being able to take a good picture consistently that makes you a photographer as opposed to somebody who just happens to get a good picture on their iphone you can get brilliant pictures on your iphone there's nothing wrong with iphone photography um but it's just being able to do it on a consistent basis which is the key and i think you've you've just You've got to have an eye for composition. You've got to be able to connect with your subject, whether it's a person or a landscape or an interior or, you know, even a plate of food, um, depending on what you're, you're photographing. It's, and it's kind of having a bit of an understanding of your subject. So it doesn't really matter what the subject is. As long as you're interested in the subject, I think you can probably get a good picture of it hmm. and uh great british racing drivers uh I, I, which which i think we can call gbrd now because that's mm. what it's, that's what it's yeah. called in the publicity from the lots of things um yeah so gbrd um was some was a project actually that you initiated wasn't it so uh, maybe let's just wind back to the beginning and explain so how did you come up with the idea and um how did you pitch it to silverstone okay so what happened was i had I'd dis, I'd photographed down at Goodwood Festival of Speed back in the early 90s when it was really new so I'd photographed at the very not the very first one the second one and then a couple more after that but then I kind of stopped going and um 
you know, sort of had a had a major break from it. My partner Paul, who's also a photographer, also photographed down there, but he sort of carried on, so he'd been going for a lot longer than me. And then in 2013, I decided that I was going to go back to the Festival of Speed the following summer, so 2014. So I'd already decided that. And then the end of 2013, um, we were out on our mountain bikes and um, a lady in a four by four tried to drive over me while I was waiting to cross the road. So um, I was when I was recovering from that, I was kind of feeling a bit sorry for myself. And I was saying to Paul, I need a project to do something really exciting. Um, and he said, well, you're going back to Goodwood in the summer and you're going to be surrounded by all these racing drivers. Why don't you do something with them? I thought, oh, do you know what? That sounds like a jolly good idea. Hmm. Um, and I'd done a previous commission for Country Life magazine, which was the great British hobby, which I'd really loved doing because it was a project that I could really get my teeth into. And, um, you know, you were doing a, a, a sort of prolonged commission for somebody and you knew the pictures you'd already taken. So you knew what not to do for the next ones or what you hadn't done. And, you know, so it, it was a bit like that. And I'd really enjoyed doing that. And I thought, oh, that sounds fantastic. So the Great British Hobby gave me the title because I thought all right great British racing drivers because I didn't have a budget anything so I thought I better not be too over um, enthusiastic and think I could you know go around the world photographing all these people let's stick with Britain so that I know I can get to people Um, so that's how that's how that came about and then Paul was going to the press launch um, and he said well Sterling and Surtees will be there so I'll ask them for you um, if they would mind because when you're going to do something like that I always think if you've got something to show people already because they wouldn't know me from Adam you know they've not seen me around there or anything so they've got no idea who I am Um, but if I have pictures of so Sterling Moss and John Surtees, they're going to at least give you the time of day to speak to you, aren't they? Mm. So um, both of them were absolutely delightful and said, yes, of course, you know, just get her to write us a letter and we'll sort it out. So I did that. And of course, at that point, I had no details to give them. I didn't know what I was going to do with the pictures, really. I thought all I knew was... I'd like to have a little exhibition somewhere, um, maybe sort of Silverstone-y, Brands Hatch, somewhere like that. Um, and and I'd always thought, because it's a photographic project, my absolute dream would be to have it in the National Portrait Gallery. Mm. <laughs> so uh, So I put that in my letter. I just said, you know, my hope is, my aim is to have an exhibition, perhaps at Silverstone Brands Hatch or even the National Portrait Gallery. Um, and that was it. That was the only detail that I kind of gave them. I mean, I told them who I was and how many years I'd been a photographer and magazines I'd worked for and things like that. So they knew I was a proper photographer. 
but apart from that they had no idea who I was so both of them said yes and we sort of rocked up at their houses and um, did their portraits and uh, so when I got to Festival of Speed at least I had those pictures to um, to show people and I couldn't I couldn't believe that everybody I spoke to said yes they were just brilliant um, and and then Jackie Stewart was the next the next person that I that I photographed um, and then really you know once you've got those three who's going to say no <laughs> I, I would imagine that racing drivers uh, being public figures you know um, even even the sweetest, most good-natured racing driver, Lando Norris, um, <laughs> it, it, every, every racing driver probably has an ego. So probably having their photo taken, unless you're Kimi Raikkonen, is something they enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and also that's part of part of my ethos of taking photo- photographs of people is I know the majority of people that I photograph don't like having their picture taken Mm. that's the first thing they'll say to me is oh I really hate having my picture taken and you've come all this way it's like no no you know when I'm being commissioned to do it I say no 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 you know I'm being paid to do it it's my job don't worry about it Um, and generally my thing is that the people who are having their photographs taken have to have a good time because that's the way you get the best pictures out of them is mm. make them feel relaxed. Make It's not a big deal. You know, it's only me. Um, and, and they'll have a good time. And that's always what I aim for when I'm photographing anybody. It doesn't matter whether they're famous, they're not famous. You know, I've done lollipop ladies to prime ministers mm. and everybody gets treated the same. Um, and the aim at the, end of the day is to get the best picture that I can of them and for them to have had a nice time as well so that's that's how that's how I approach it excellent um I obviously um um we usually deal with um electric powered um racing electric powered cars on this podcast but you know um it's 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 um I, i've been very happy to get the opportunity to talk about other things as well so um we'll, we'll definitely talk about the exhibition um um at large but mm-hmm. i'd like to focus on a couple of uh well in, in fact three formula e related figures which you photographed um, to begin with so uh, let's let's start with uh, the formula e driver you photographed uh sam bird now he's a bit of a character uh did he come across to you as someone who was uh you know um enjoying the experience someone who wanted to help you with the shoot yes he was he was great um when i as i as i sort of mentioned before i'm not i'm not a motorsport photographer so Mm. my issue was always being able to recognize the drivers i mean i know who they all are now but um in the beginning i didn't when i when i went to goodwood that first year back in 2014 again um i had to print off a cheat sheet <laughs> so I had little mm. headshots of everybody that I wanted to speak to because I thought I'm never going to recognize them otherwise and I should have I should have kept doing that because when I um was trying to track Sam down I it was when I'd photographed um Jensen Button mm. at Silverstone 
and I knew Sam was going to be there and he would be there with Ferrari. So after I'd photographed Jensen, I went in pursuit of Sam um, and I couldn't, I couldn't find him. And then um, I was sort of wandering around the paddock thinking, oh, well, I'll just go to Ferrari and ask somebody. So I was sort of hanging around the Ferrari bus um, waiting for somebody in red to come out. Um, when this guy sort of appeared walking down the paddock with a, a pile of wedding presents <laughs> <laughs> uh, dressed in a Ferrari suit, and I thought, oh well, that's a Ferrari, a Ferrari man. Let's let's go and accost him. So I did, and I kind of went up to him and said, oh hi, um, I'm. Can you tell me is Sam Bird here? And you know, could I have a word with him? And as I was saying it, I was just thinking, oh, I think that is Sam Bird. Um, and he had this look on his face of, <laughs> of kind of, are you joking or are you, do you not know it's me? He wasn't sure either. <laughs> so we both kind of stood there going, uh, uh, and then I said, you are Sam Bird on Union. <laughs> yes, I am. So, but he was fine. He was fine. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, and he was, that was obviously just before his wedding and he was carrying his wedding presents and had I, sort of really thought about it I I should have known that it was him but he was fine and and we um we arranged to to go and photograph him when he was in at home in Bournemouth hmm. which we did and he was great because we did three different versions of his picture I mean not you know sometimes I've only got five minutes with them but with Sam I had the whole morning which was great and he was he was fantastic and he got all these trophies down off off shelves and we set up a little set in the the sort of hallway with the daylight coming in with all his trophies which was really lovely but hmm. it wasn't really doing it for me and then we did another version with his dog buddy because he loves his dog buddy yeah uh, and I thought oh that would be quite nice but that didn't kind of work and then he he's got quite a lot of really lovely art in the house hmm. and um there was this piece on the wall I'm not quite sure what it is but it's like a giant plate it isn't a plate it's a work of art but it's um it was lovely and I just said to him oh just stand there in front of that and that was the picture that's the one that worked and it was virtually the last picture that I took but he was he was great because he just let me you know he had the time and he let me do all these other versions um and then we we got the picture virtually right at the end. And it, so it was it was great. He was brilliant. Really helpful. Really helpful. Yeah, I, I've always felt uh, from w watching him being interviewed, I've, I've met him a couple of times at the track, but generally uh, I've, I've watched him through TV and uh, through reading about him. And he seems like someone with the common touch. I, I think it comes from the fact that, you know, he's, he's not really a driver from lots of money. He's, uh, mm. um, yeah. in, in fact, before Formula E uh, was a thing, when Virgin contacted him about driving for them, he was taking his personal training certificate because he thought that was the future for him. So <laughs> I, I think maybe um, he's someone else who's had to change his mind a few times about his career as well. Yeah. Yeah, because he, he he started off um, as a footballer, didn't he? Uh, certainly, he wanted to be. I'm not sure. Yeah, he's, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, because I think was it for Wimbledon? 
think you might be or right, I, you know, yeah. Have I got that completely wrong? <laughs> no, I, I, I think I think you might be right, yeah. yeah. Of course, but, uh, um, he, he's, he's not the, a bit like me, he's not the tallest person, so probably racing no. was the right thing for him to do. Yes, yes, suited him down to the ground, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Quite quite literally down to the ground. Sorry. That was yes. Bad. That, yes. <laughs> that was that would no. That was what they call a boomer joke. I apologise for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um. But so so Sam Bird was brilliant. And yeah. Did did he um did did he advise you on any of the uh, drivers you were still yet to take? Did he say, oh, uh, watch out for him, or he's brilliant, or she's really good? No, I don't. No, I don't think so. I think because I did Sam fairly fairly late on in the project i think it was last was it last year i did him i can't mm. remember now so many drivers 121 to be precise um but yes i think um yeah no i don't think he he commented on anybody but i don't i don't really kind of like to ask them oh of course you know yeah. because different people have different you know experiences with people don't they and generally as a photographer you're going in on a completely different sort of level to everybody you're only with them for quite a short time so um yeah i don't don't tend to ask too much <laughs> about other drivers from people but you know so it de and it depends because some of them have asked oh who have you already done or who are you going to do and stuff and they might make little comments about oh be careful with so and so they're quite tricky or whatever you know but i i've been really lucky because mm. i have i haven't really found that anybody anybody who people have said oh he can be quite tricky or whatever nobody's been tricky at all they've all been absolutely brilliant well, um, t talking of charming, brilliant people, um, you also took the picture of um, one, of, one of my paddock favourites, because she always answers every question um, in a serious way, Susie Wolfe. Um, she's, uh, she's the, she's the uh, team principal of the Venturi Formula E team. And um, uh, so what, what was the situation when you took her picture? How long ago was it? And, uh, um, and uh, what was she like to, uh, to photograph? Well, Susie is delightful to photograph because you can't really take a bad picture of, of Mrs. Wolf. Um, she always looks absolutely fabulous. Um, I did her back in 2017. And again, I met her at the Festival of Speed. Um, I had emailed her through her website and um, I hadn't got a reply by the time I saw her at Festival of Speed. Um, so I <laughs> I went up to her in the top paddock, bearing in mind I've got my photographer's bib on, which says photographer, and I have two cameras hanging around my neck. And I walked out to her, I said, oh, hi, Susie, my name's Indra and I'm a photographer. And she kind of looked at me up and down and just laughed. <laughs> said, oh, yes, slightly obvious. Um, but yes, yeah, she. I spoke to her and she said, "Oh, I did reply to your email because as soon as I sort of started to speak and said, oh, 'Oh, I'm interested.' Oh, yes, I saw your email and yes, that sounds great and yes, I'd love to do it. So that was that was great. Hmm. Um, and what we decided was 
she wanted to be done at Williams, which was which was fine because some of the drivers have sort of come up with ideas themselves of how they'd like to be photographed and some of them have left it completely to me so Mm. you know and sometimes it's a collaboration of both of us so but she was she said oh I'd like to be photographed at Williams um because obviously that's very significant for me so that was no no problem and Williams were brilliant they said yep no problem you come along and um come and do and we actually got to recce that one which was great um, um, just to cut in, for those who don't know, Susie Wolf was the uh, development driver for Williams for a few seasons. That's right. That's yeah. right. Um, so, um, where was I? What was <laughs> what so, was I um, panting on about? You you were saying before I interrupted that that Williams were brilliant and you got to recce the location. Oh, that's right. Yes. So, um, so oh, yes, I'd so I'd said to Susie, could you make sure you wear your killer heels? Um, cause I thought, oh, that would be quite, we might be able to do something quite nice with, with that because when she was on channel four, she always used to wear the most amazing shoes. Hmm. Um, so I thought, right, let's, let's get them in the picture. So we, um, we did a version. I mean, she turned up looking fabulous, which is always a good start. Um, and which always worries me slightly because, for my social media, if I can, I always have a picture taken with my driver, and it's like, oh no, I've got to have my picture taken with Susie Wolf, <laughs> which is really scary. <laughs> uh, but there we go. Um, I survived. So, um, yeah, so she turned out, and we did one version um, sitting on the stairs in the sort of foyer of Williams because they have the Williams car hanging down from the ceiling which we got her killer heels in, which was great. Um, but she kind of thought, mm, this looks a little bit too corporate-y. Um, but I'd got a second um, version set up in the um, museum, their museum, where her car was. Uh, and so we did a version of her just sitting. I don't know if um, people know, but there's um, quite a famous picture of Christine Keeler, who actually is on the TV at the moment, the trial of Christine Keeler. Um, And she sat in this chair. um, She sat in the chair with no clothes on Hmm. backwards. And it's a really, really lovely picture. Um, Susie kept all her clothes on, but she was sitting backwards in a chair in that kind of pose, which Hmm. which worked brilliantly, where she's leaning on the back of the seat um, with her car in the background um and that was the one that she preferred out of the two um so that's the one that we that we used because i um i just thought well if she's happy with that picture i mean she really liked liked that picture so and i was quite happy with it as well so i was quite happy to use that one um so but yes i mean absolute professional um and and really lovely you know really nice to work with friendly helpful you know as has everybody else been <laughs> so i've i just been i've been really lucky i think with them all i'd approached her about the um about the picture when she was still with williams and then i hadn't got round to actually getting a date sorted out with her and then of course she um she had her baby 
so I had to then wait for her to have her baby and then um and then we did it we did it then so I didn't actually do her until I think it was 2017 I did Hmm. I did Susie but um yeah I mean she was she was great and um she she was really helpful later as well um so when I wanted some quotes for the exhibition and stuff I emailed and she said yeah no problem and she did me a lovely little quote um that was very appropriate you know to her and the females in the project and things like that which was great um and she sent me a she let me have a digital signature so that when I put it on my website or whatever you know it had her signature on it rather than me just typing in her name and things like oh, that that's cool. which is really lovely and then you know I saw her uh a couple of months later and said oh thanks for that and she said oh no you know if there's if I can help then I will and I like I like to help people so that was great the third Formula E personality you photographed was Alan McNish, the team principal of Audi. So uh, um, how did you decide to approach that? And um, did he come up with any suggestions? What what impressions did you get of the person? Um, well, I think with Alan, I had to, because he was commentating on, what was he commentating on? Weck, it must have been, mustn't it? It was before he was the team principal. So he was all over the place. So I had to coordinate with him. Um, and of course, he lives in Monaco, so I couldn't go to his house. Um, so uh, I had to coordinate with him to when he was visiting here. So um, I think I must have done it all by email with him. I can't remember now. <laughs> Isn't that awful? Mm. Um but I emailed with his office and he was coming to WEC at Silverstone to do commentary. So we we decided we would do it there. Um, and I phoned up Lisa Benimore at the BRDC, who has been incredibly helpful throughout mm-hmm. the whole project, um, and said, Lisa, I need a location for Alan. And she said, well, you can use the BRDC uh, clubhouse because uh, they're setting up for a lunch but there'll be nobody in there so that was brilliant and um, so we ended up in the corridor to the toilets with Alan okay. <laughs> um, but it worked perfectly and uh, he was absolutely delightful and turned up with a change of clothes special special to put on for the picture all neatly folded in his in his uh, suitcase uh he was great he was really really good fun and hilarious um and i'd photographed him in the corridor and it was a lovely sunny day so the window if you if you know the brdc clubhouse the window that looks out onto the track was behind Alan down the end of the corridor sort of thing. And the sun was shining through. So after a while, uh, we had we were having a bit of banter and I just said to him, oh, Mr. McNish, it looks <laughs> like the sun is shining out of your bottom, uh, <laughs> which he really loved. And every time I see him now, it's is the sun still shining out of your bottom. We have this standing joke now. Um, and because it was Easter time, Hmm. Um, I bought him a little lint bunny 
to say thank you. Uh, so every time I see him now, I have to give him chocolate. <laughs> so, so we have our standing sun shining out of his bottom and chocolate now is our thing. So, um, yeah, he was he was brilliant. And we also we did a, another a version, version two, um, mm-hmm. because he had time. We went up onto the roof as well. And that actually works really well. Um, and it was quite difficult to choose between those two. But I thought, oh, we'll we'll go with the we'll go with the sun shining out of his bottom picture. Um, <laughs> so so that was that was what we did. But again, he's been he's been great every time I've seen him since he's lovely and you know that's what's been really lovely is that when I see the drivers afterwards wherever you know they'll all say oh hi you know how's it going and what have you so yeah it's they've been brilliant yeah and maybe this is a lesson for upcoming photographers which is that actually the location maybe i'm guessing doesn't matter as much as the quality of the lighting and the subjects and so on yeah it's it's amazing what you can do with very little you know and part of part of my stuff that i've always done is a lot of it is you never get to see where you're going to photograph you just have to turn up and and get on with it and sometimes the locations are brilliant and you're spoiled for choice. Uh, and sometimes the locations sort of shriek at you, photograph me here. Um, and then other times you just stand there thinking, oh my God, what am I going to do? This is terrible. But you, you know, there are ways and means that you can sort of get around most things and, and lighting is, is key to some of it. Um, you know, and things like that. So yeah, it's um, it's just sort of knowing what is possible um, in things where it looks like it's totally impossible to get a decent picture. It sounds like actually a lot of photography is having a sharp mind. So how how do you keep yourself sharp? How do you keep yourself kind of imagining new 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 angles and new locations? Uh, do you do, do you look at a lot of um, other people's photographs? Do you look at art exhibitions to try and get ideas from that kind of thing? Yeah, well, you 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 tend to yes, you do. You look at other people's pictures and whether they're professional photographers or not you know sometimes somebody will take a picture and you think oh god that looks absolutely amazing and you sort of analyze it and have a look and think oh yeah you know and it's not that you kind of think oh I'm going to do that on the next picture that I shoot or something but if you're in one of those tricky situations it might pop into your head and go "Mm, yeah that that might work here or something like that um but yeah it's just kind of looking all the time I mean I when we're working at home Paul and I always go out for a walk um if we're having an office day because otherwise you just go mad because you get no fresh air hmm. but you're always looking and we walk the same walk every time but there's always something different to look at because the light changes because we don't walk necessarily at the same time of day and obviously the light changes every day and it changes throughout the year the vegetation changes you know so there's always something different to look at even if you're going to the same place every time 
Um, you've obviously photographed people uh, from the film industry, people from media, people from normal, well, normal quote-unquote walks of life. Uh, you've photographed politicians. Um, do, do you find that racing drivers um, view themselves in the same way as those people, or do you, do you find that uh, actually you have to do a lot more direction for professional sports people because you know they're they're not necessarily used to being photographed in that way? not really um in fact sports people i think are quite good to photograph because the majority of them are really good at taking direction hmm. i mean jensen button for one brilliant um because we did we because we um we did him with his cycling sort of persona hmm. um so we had he we did some versions with a with a bike and you know you could say to him right just move the back wheel that you know 10 inches to the left or whatever absolutely brilliant whereas a lot a lot of people you'll say you'll say just take a little step to the right and they'll take a massive great big step you know step out (laughs) it's like no no come back when i say little i mean you know this much and you have to hold your fingers up go that much um but no the the sort of jensen was was really good because we we've got a bit of film of behind the scenes and I'm I'm there and I'm saying to him, just move your back wheel this much. And he does it absolutely perfectly. Mm. So and I've photographed other other sports people, um, Dame Kelly Holmes and I can't think now who else, but um Sally Gunnell and lots of mm. other people. And they've all been they've all been quite good because I think they're sort of I think at that level they're all quite media savvy. So they know what they're doing as well. Oh, so, definitely. Yeah. Um, I, J- Jensen Button likes to pretend he isn't, but he's very mm-hmm. savvy. Um, but by the way, Jensen is a hardcore triathlete. Uh, mm-hmm. did, so was it his idea to be photographed in his cycling gear? No, what it was was um, when I was running around like a headless chicken at the British Grand Prix, um, uh, organising other another shoot, I came across Jensen um in the national paddock he was doing some filming with guy martin for one of guy martin's speed mm. uh the one where he raced jensen on mm. the, the track um and jensen was sitting on his push bike um i think they were just waiting to go off to film something so i nipped in and said explained who i was said i was doing the project would he consider having his picture taken and he said yep speak to my manager James over there um so I went over and spoke to James and showed him some of the pictures he said yeah absolutely brilliant we'll we'll do that and so and he said you know have you got any ideas and I said well as Jensen's really into his cycling and things like that I'd like to do something that incorporates that and he said yep that'll that'll work and he was bringing out his own cycling gear uh, a bit later on that summer I think it was and it came it was it was perfectly timed it came out just before we did the shoot so he in the pictures the pink pink cycling top that he's wearing Hmm. is one of his that he designed and the pattern on it is all the f1 circuits 
from his championship year. So it was it was great because we photographed him with his WEC car um, that he was currently racing. Um, but we had a nod to his passion of cycling and his F1 championship year. So that mm. was just perfect. And uh, he's he's really proud of that championship year, understandably. But mm-hmm. uh, I I think I think he's equally proud of the fact that he's managed to find a life after motor racing, and I'm glad mm. he managed to reflect that, reflect that in the shoot anyway. Mm. Yeah, and I mean his and his writing as well. I just read his book. Mm. Is superb. It's <laughs> so funny. It's really, really funny. funny. It's hilarious. And and I was lucky because I took it with me and I said, oh, will you sign it for me? I said, it was so funny. I said, I really enjoyed reading it. And I read it really quickly because it was so easy to read. Hmm. Um, and I said, yeah, I said, I was really surprised at how funny it was. So he was he was pleasantly surprised, I think. <laughs> so that was quite nice. So I, I, I think my my book personally signed, which is lovely. I think my favourite chapter from the book was when he talked about all the things he shouldn't have bought with that money. Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. But no, it's a, it's it was a really a really good read. And then we we did have a joke about cycling because um, I was I was saying to him how good I thought it was that a lot the majority of his cycling clothes was weren't black. It wasn't black because hmm. um, obviously he was wearing a pink shirt. And I said. I always find that really weird how everybody wants to wear black so that when they're out road cycling, you can't see them because they all merge into the tarmac. And I was saying about, mind you, it didn't do me any good because I had my full fluorescent cycling gear on when the lady drove over me. So she obviously didn't didn't help. My gosh. <laughs> so having a having a bit of a joke and a laugh about that. So, mm. But no, he's he's very funny and his his sort of commentary on tv and stuff i haven't seen too much of it because we don't have sky but um um he's very good very good at that well i um obviously it's it's a few it's a few years back for you when you got run into by the by the car but uh, um if um if, if it makes any difference professional sports people have had it happen to them of course uh, i think bradley wiggins got knocked off his bike um, yeah. while he was racing didn't he yeah i think yeah it was i think he was on a training um the it was on a training um, exercise and uh, mm. I think it was um, a lady pulled out in front of him um, and her thing was, she said, I had no idea how fast you were traveling. And mm. she said, if I'd known, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done it. But yeah, it's um, yeah. Lots of lots. Of, and, and I purposely don't ride on the road. I was only crossing over the road from one off-road bit to the other, so that was even more annoying. Yeah, but, but um, by, by the way, this by the way, this is why F1 drivers and Formula E drivers often say they don't drive cars on the road because uh, they don't like the variables. They don't like the fact mm-hmm. that uh, you know not everybody on the road is an expert like they yeah. are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I can see their point. <laughs> hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, obviously it's been a lot of fun, but it's also been a lot of work. And uh, you mentioned it was hard to get McNish in a particular location. Um, w- was this a recurring issue for the shoot uh, and for the exhibition, the fact that racing drivers are very rarely in one position for a long time? Yes, yes. <laughs> Some of them more than others. Um, 
Martin Brandall, David Coulthard and Johnny Herbert. I'd been mm. trying for quite a long time to get them individually. Um, and as you can imagine, they're not in the country that often and not and when they are, they're usually working or they're trying to have a holiday. Um, so I failed miserably, basically, to get the three of them individually. And I just thought it was getting to 2018 and I knew the exhibition was going to be the following year. So I was thinking, right, I really need to sort this one out. So I thought, well, the only thing I can do is photograph them when they're here, when they have to be here, and maybe do them all together. So I thought, mm, so when is that going to be? And the obvious place is the British Grand Prix. Hmm. So um, I decided that that was what I would do. So I, and bearing in mind, I only decided this, I think it was the end of May, uh, I came to this conclusion, which didn't leave me that long to sort it out. Um, so I emailed Martin Brundle and I emailed, well, I emailed all three of them actually. And I can't remember, I think I did it through the BRDC who did a lot of that for me. They they forwarded a lot of um, letters for me hmm. um, because going through the BRDC, at least the drivers then would know that I was a real person <laughs> type of thing, you know, uh, and not just some random nutter. Um, so, and I got replies back from Martin and David who said, hmm. yep, that should be fine. And I'd sort of explained in the, letters what I wanted to do which was I knew that if I was going to do them at the Grand Prix I needed to do it somewhere out of the way that the public couldn't get to because we would probably only have five minutes to do it and I needed to not have any interruptions or anything so I decided that we'd do it on the old podium um, in the National Paddock and um I wanted them with their microphones because they were all obviously commentators now mm. and they were all X F1 or, and they'd done Le Mans and things like that. So I sort, sort of thought, we'll do something where they're all together doing what they do now. And I thought, right, we'll have them with their microphones sort of leaning down towards the camera and that'll be, that'll be it. So I emailed them with this idea and Martin came back and said, yep, that should be no problem. And David came back and said, yep, that's no problem, but I'm not sure I can have a microphone. So I thought, right, well, we won't worry about that until nearer the time. Nothing from Johnny Herbert at all. Okay. Um, so I then asked Mark Blundell, because I knew Mark Blundell was a friend of his, to mm. email him. Because I thought, well, at least I know then he'll have got it. Um, and he might have read it. So we did that and still nothing. Then I had to get accreditation from the FIA um, because although we were going to be in the national paddock, I needed to get, have access to the F1 paddock so that I could round people up if I needed to and, you know, just generally be around sort of mm. thing. Um, so I applied for accreditation in a very roundabout way because obviously um, I wasn't going to 
sort of have content for the FIA to be distributed or anything like that. And they were brilliant. They actually gave me special um, accreditation to, to be able to do my picture. Hmm. Um, but it only came through, I think it was on the Tuesday of the week of the Grand Prix. So it was all pretty hairy. Oh, um, mo- motorsport journalists everywhere are holding their hands up and saying, yes, yes you and me both. Yeah, yeah. So um, so I'd, I'd got to that point of the week and sort of had thought, oh, do you know what? I need somewhere to stay and all this kind of, because it sort of then dawned on me that you couldn't just willy-nilly come in and out of Silverstone, you know, to, to do this. So I need to stay there, don't I? And I need to do this. And so... I um, phoned the ever-helpful Lisa at the BRDC who said, Mm. right, phone the golf club, Silverstone Golf Club. They will have a pitch for you. So I did that, and they did have a pitch, so that was it. But I had nothing to put on it at that point, not even a tent. Um, So I had my pitch. I had Martin Brundle and I had David Coulthard and one microphone and press accreditation. Then... Silverstone Golf Club said, oh, we've just had an email from somebody with a motorhome who they've been cancelled for the Grand Prix weekend. So why don't you phone them? Which I did. Mm. Got that motorhome. So that was great. So basically, I turned up at the Grand Prix on the Wednesday, I think it was, to go and get my press accreditation. And we got a lift into the circuit in what we thought was a media bus, but it wasn't. It was actually Channel 4, who said, yep, hop in with us, we'll take you in. So I thought, oh, you're Channel 4. I said, I need a microphone for David Cawthard for his picture, explain what I was doing. He said, yep, no problem, we'll make sure he turns up with a with a microphone. Woohoo! So that was, that was sorted. Um, bumped into Craig Slater of Sky and mm. just said to him, Martin said he can probably come with a microphone but can we make sure he does yep that's no problem so that was fine so I everything was sorted except for Johnny Herbert <laughs> had no idea whether he'd got the email read it whether he was going to turn up or anything so I just thought oh well we'll just have to go with two if we don't get Johnny hmm. so the evening before the the shoot I'm in the media center having dinner looking down on the pit straight and there's Johnny Herbert playing a charity football event thing. So I ran, well, I say I ran down, I sort of hobbled down to where he was and um, said, Johnny, I'm Indra, Great British Racing Drivers. And he went, oh yeah, got your email. Sorry, ignored it. Yeah, I'll be there. No problem. (laughs) So all done. (laughs) And they all turned up absolutely bang on time with their microphones five minutes all done brilliant that's super absolutely brilliant and the people at silverstone were fantastic as well because obviously we had to have all the gates unlocked so we could get up to the podium and all that kind of stuff all the security people brilliant everything happened as it should no no hitches at all fantastic um, and probably the uh, you've, you've photographed every uh, living uh, British Formula One world champion. You also photographed uh, John Surtees, who sadly isn't around anymore. But uh, um, probably the greatest 
racing driver who never won a title, well, um, arguably, um, is Sir Sterling Moss. And you've got a story with his shoot, I gather. Uh, yeah, well, he was the very first driver that I did. Um, and he was he was brilliant. We had an absolute hoot with him. We just didn't stop. I was exhausted from laughing. Um, and, of course, the stories that he tells you are just incredible because it's a completely different age that he raced in. Hmm. Um, so they're, they're amazing, his stories. But he... Um, we turned up at his at his house. I had no idea what it was going to be like or what I was going to do or anything. And we turned up and he's there with his Union Jack braces on because he's saying, oh, well, it's great British racing drivers. So I thought I'd wear my Union Jack braces. I thought, great, because I'd had an email um, dialogue with his PA and she'd said, you know, what would you like him to wear? And I said, I don't mind. You, he can wear whatever he would like to because I had no sort of preconception of what I was going to do. So that was great. So he turned up in in a lovely crisp white shirt and his and his union jack braces. And there was this lovely chair in his um it wasn't in his office, it was in his living room that we did a um a Charles Ames chair. And um I said to him, "Oh, that that looks great. We'll sit you in that." And he said, "Ah, oh, well, that's really appropriate because I have this chair instead of a trophy because I didn't want another trophy to polish. So <laughs> um so I had this chair. And I think I think what had happened is he'd actually sold the chair later and then kind of realised that it was actually a really nice chair. And I think he I don't know whether he tracked the one down that he'd actually sold and it was the mm. same one. But he he'd got another one back i think i think it might have been that he tracked it down and he he got it back so um yeah so he's sitting on a trophy basically <laughs> in his living room which is well, which is great that that's that's superb and uh, one driver who did win the world title um who was the person who got me into motor racing uh, watching him nigel mansell uh what was he like to photograph and where did you have to go to photograph him Nigel Mansell is the only driver that I had to get on a plane for. Oh. Um, and I went to Jersey, where he lives. Um, easy jet, brilliant. Um, so, um, yeah, he was, he was due to disappear off to America for three months. And because I'd sort of, I was in a dialogue with his office, I just thought, you know what? I don't want to wait until he comes back just in case he changes his mind or he, you know, something happens and he can't do it. So, um, so yeah, I, I actually got on a plane to Jersey for the day uh, and went and photographed Nigel Mansell at the Mansell collection, uh, his little museum, which sadly is no longer um, with red five in the background, which was brilliant. So uh, again, no idea what it looked like. I mean, I, I looked at the pictures online, but that was as far as I'd got. Um, so that was a turn up and see what you could see what you could do with what what was there. And um, as Red Five was there, I just thought, well, silly not to really. Um, so we had to move quite a lot of things, like the rope sort of balustrade things in front of the car 
Obviously, mm. we asked the people downstairs before we moved anything. Um, and then Nigel arrived and sort of looked a bit horrified because <laughs> we'd moved stuff and there were big white sheets up everywhere and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and and I kind of looked at him and went, we did ask. And they said it was OK. And, and then he said, oh, no, that's fine. He said, it's just that we've got people coming to a meeting. So I want it to look nice. You know, when they walk in, I said, don't worry, soon as we're finished, we'll make sure it's all back in place and it'll look like we've never been there. And he was fine. He was absolutely fine. Um, and it probably helped because I'm from Worcestershire, too. So uh, I was just talking to him about that. And, you know, it just just kind of makes a connection. And he was superb. And again, I had a his autobiography. Is it autobiography or bio? Yes, no, yes. autobiography. autobiography. Um, I'd got a copy of that with me, which I'd got for my brother-in-law for his Christmas present. Um, I asked him to sign it for him, which he did. He's got the most amazing signature. It's brilliant. Mm. Um, so he did that. I mean, he was lovely, and I had my I had my picture taken with Nigel Mansell. Brilliant. I'm so happy to hear that. Uh, it it it, it sounds it sounds like it was worth getting on the plane for. It, it was, it was, he, and he was he was really lovely. And there was there was a guy that turned up to the um, museum, um, a fan, and he was oh my god, Nigel Mansell is here. And I said, <laughs> and I said to him, and I said, do you know what? You've, and there's a photographer here, so come and stand by Nigel and have your picture taken. So he did. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, my God, I've had my picture taken with Nigel Russell. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, it was a really good day. It was really lovely. And Nigel was great. Um, and, uh, yeah, we had we had no issues with him after his initial, oh, my God, you've ruined my, my museum moment. But um, it, it's it's so, it's so it's it's so funny that he said that because uh, he he was known in his career for being a bit of a perfectionist with the car mm. and for uh, you know pushing the engineers to just work yeah. that extra ten minutes or whatever and uh, it, it seems mm. like you captured a bit of the essence of the driver there in a sense. Yes, yes, I think I think so. I mean, as I say, not being a, a motorsport um, sort of aficionado, I didn't really know any of that as such. But yes, uh, I think I think that was that was exactly it. And then mm. and then after after Nigel, we we went and visited Derek Warwick, oh, <laughs> who also lives in in Jersey, because we had quite a long time to wait for our flight home. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, that was all. It was a very nice day out on Jersey. Absolutely, um, and um, well, you, you you managed to um, you managed to shoot two drivers with one stone, as it were. Well, yeah, we we didn't do we didn't do Derek's picture. Um, we just went and and saw him because he 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 said, well, yeah, come and come and see me and see if mm. there's anything you can do. But he said I would prefer to be photographed at the BRDC because he was president of the BRDC yeah. at the time. Um, and I said, well, that's that's fine because I'm not making a special journey. I'm there, so we'll we'll come and have a chat and then we'll. We'll see what's what. But it was it was really nice. It was lovely to meet him, lovely to chat to him. And then he um, he got one of his guys from the from his garage to drive us back to the airport. So we had a little scenic route around the island, which was lovely back to yeah. the airport. So, yeah, it was good. It was good. 
Um, but by the way, just a recommendation. Um, I don't know if you've uh, seen any interviews with him on YouTube, but uh, uh, one of my favourite racing driver interviews ever uh, is on YouTube. It was, it's uh, a German guy called Mario Muth, um, M-U-T-H, um, interviewing Derek Warwick. And um, well, let, let's just say it goes through the full gamut of emotions because, yeah. uh, you know, he had some of the happiest and saddest things happen to him in his career. So uh, right. if if you get the chance, so yeah. if you get if you get an hour, then do watch that. Yeah. But, no, um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I, and uh, j just just to um, re really round off the drivers, because uh, I think people will kill me if I don't mention it. Um, he, he's such an online darling these days. Lando Norris. Everyone loves him. Now, back then, when you photographed him, he wasn't known to everybody. So did you get a sense of the of the uh, showbiz personality that he'd unwittingly become? Yeah. Yeah. And and sort of. um the the sort of yeah the character definitely came out we, it, i photographed him um as part of the um motor what is it young driver of the year um mclaren autosport um driver of the year so i had the four of them and let me just check who it was it was lando norris and uh ricky collard senon fielding and toby sowry hmm. and they were we i photographed them back in 2016 and i did them at the autosport awards um because i thought oh that would be great because they'll all be in their djs they can channel their inner bond we can get a really really lovely picture of them they were hilarious, completely out of control. It was like herding overexcited little puppy dogs. Um, and I didn't have very much time because I had to do them pre sort of awards, you know, pre them going to do all their media and, and stuff like that. So we were on quite a tight time schedule and I wanted to do a group shot and then I wanted to do them all individually as well because I wasn't quite sure at the end of the day, what I was going to do um, and whether I needed the individual individual shots as well. So it was <laughs> a trying to get them off their phones to pay attention <laughs> to what I was saying to them. Um, I mean, it was it was just hilarious. I wish I wish I'd got a film of it because it would it was absolute chaos. Um, and but Lando, even though he everybody was mucking around and what have you, there was something slightly different about Lando. Mm. He was a little bit more sort of cool and calm, even though he was having fun. Mm. Um, and I I got the I got the group shot done first. Um, and then I said, right, OK, we're done with those. I need to do the individuals. Well, it just descended into complete chaos. Um, mm. All of them were just mucking around. I mean, I just kept shooting. We've got some hilarious pictures, a lot of them out of focus. But hey, um, hilarious pictures of them sort of, you know, all doing bunny ears behind each other's heads. <laughs> Toby Sowery was sliding down the banister. We're in the great 
room, you know, the ballroom at Grosvenor mm-hmm. House Hotel, and he's sliding down the banister. It's hilarious. Um, and all sorts of stuff going on. And kind of while all this chaos was, was going on, Lando was actually just sitting on the banister, quite cool and calm, you know, looked like he was channeling his inner bond. Um, so there was something slightly different about him, but fun, you know, really, really yeah. fun. Um, so I managed to extract everybody off the stairways to to do the individuals. So I just left Lando sitting on the banister as he was, and that's his picture. And it's just perfect, you know, cheeky grin, because goodness only knows what the other three are doing behind my back, you know, to make, make Lando laugh and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, um, yeah, he was he was certainly you could see that you know the beginnings of that personality because i can't even think how old he was in 2016 not very old was he he was 16 16 yeah Hmm. so um and what's lovely about him as well is i mean i've got no idea if he actually does remember me from that but every Mm. time i see him he always says oh hello he does he talks to you as if he remembers it i don't know whether he does (laughs) and i don't blame him if he doesn't because you know it's a long time ago now and a lot of stuff has happened to him hasn't it but when you speak to him he speaks to you as if he if he does remember and what have you and i gave him i i gave all the drivers little prints of their pictures um this year and you know, he was like, he was like, I said, oh, great. That's really lovely. Thank you very much. You know, delightful, delightful guy. Um, final one, promise. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and unless you've got more you'd like to talk about afterwards. Um, uh, around the same age as Lando Norris, um, but, you know, quite a different personality, it seems. You photographed Jamie Chadwick, who is definitely the fastest uh, female British racing driver there is now. Um, and uh, she's now a Williams development driver. So um, what did you make of Jamie Chadwick when you photographed her? Oh, she was great. Really professional. I mean, I photographed her in 2016. Um, the, the first time. Jamie's actually in the project three times now. Um so the first time I did her was an individual picture and we went up to, I think it was Donington, was it Donington Park? I photographed oh. her in. Um, freezing, freezing cold day. I mean, Paul and I turned up looking like the Michelin men because we had so many layers on. Um, and Jamie was razzing round the track and, oh my goodness, she was fast. There were It was a test day and the other people on the track you know, you could tell how far she was um, compared to everybody else. And I mean, as I say, I know nothing about racing, racing, driving. Um, so we had to wait until lunchtime to to photograph her. And, you know, she I made a standout in the cold <laughs> in her lunch break uh, before she'd had any food, um, made a standout in the cold for a few few versions outside but it was so cold I said that this is ridiculous let's go in um we went into the garage because the heaters were on in the garage it was lovely um and uh we the picture of her that I've got is is in the in the garage and it it works beautifully because you get this lovely red glow of the heater we've got her sitting on a tire we've got a helmet there she's in a race suit and she's just sitting there looking you know really professional and and what have you 
Um, and I did reward her with homemade lemon drizzle cake. So oh. quite happy at the end of the day. But what was funny was when I, I photographed her then back in the summer with the W Series girls, because obviously mm. I wanted to get them into the project. And obviously she won it which was even better that was that was great so i but we did the we did a group shot uh, at brands hatch on that last day of the championship with um so it's jamie alice sarah esme and jessica and um we had to do it inside it was a beautiful day at brands hatch but it was blowing an absolute gale and if you look at the girls they've all got masses of hair and I just thought, there's no way we can do this picture outside because it will just be hair everywhere and it'll be chaos. So we did them inside. Um, and Jamie was going on about, oh, my race suit feels a bit tight. And then she turned around to me, bearing in mind, it was 2016 I photographed mm. her last. And this was 2018 now, 2019, mm -hmm. sorry, now. She turned around to me and she said, it was you. It was that lemon drizzle cake. <laughs> Made me fat. I was like, really? <laughs> I don't think so, Jeremy. <laughs> so, so she definitely remembered the shoot. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. Anyway, so yeah, she's. I mean, she's she's quite dry, Jamie, uh, hmm. but she's she's funny, you know, really funny. Um, but uh, the, the the W series, uh, really, the way that that's brought drivers, well, in the case of Alice Powell, back to prominence when yeah. they should have been in prominence for a long time. But also, yeah. you know, it's 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 given prominence to a lot of drivers who maybe would have fallen under the radar. Yeah. So it must be really pleasing to you to see that. Yes. No. It was it was great because again, you see, I'd I'd photographed Alice individually. I'd actually photographed Alice with Ella Stevens. Um, who is her she's sort of a driver coach to ella and ella's up and coming karting um in karting so i'd done a picture of those two together which hilarious those two together really funny um we had alice flossing ella was teaching alice how to floss um she was rubbish at it i have to say uh but uh, yes it was it was a very funny shoot with those two so that was really nice that we we got that one as well um but yeah to to once the w series got announced i thought right i have to have them in the project um and i uh, hadn't at that point sort of um decided what but i'd spoken to catherine bonmuir at um autosport and i'd said this is what i'm doing and if all five brits get through that's what i want to do i want to do all five of them together um, and if they don't, then we'll we'll see what what we do. But they all got through, so that was great. So that was always going to be the picture. But again, you've got five drivers, and you've got to get them all in the same place at the same time. So we did have a few attempts at it because Grosvenor House were brilliant, and they said, "Yes, you can come and photograph them here. We'll give you the the royal suite for them to jump up and down on the bed on and stuff like that. You know, do something fun." Um, but we couldn't we couldn't get them all together at the same time because every we get really close and then somebody text and say oh I'm really sorry I've got to go, go testing or whatever so in the end I said to them right okay let's just go for brands hatch because you all have to be there you'll all be in one place we'll just sort it out so that's what we did in the end 
but um yeah I was I I really wanted them in and because in the in the GRBD book which is being put together mm-hmm. um um I've just put everybody in in alphabetical order because then it means that nobody's taking precedence over anybody else and of course the W series come as a really lovely way to finish it off because they mm. they come at the end and what's even nicer is it starts with Louise Aitken Walker and finishes with the W series so it's nice to bookend it with with ladies well it's it's a really nice way in which racing has uh, well, well in which racing is changing we've got se- startup series like formula e w series mm. and uh, um extreme e coming up which are really changing the um the way people can watch motor racing and o- also changing the way that uh, changing where motor racing goes to as well and i i, I think it's so nice but uh, it's also really nice that um, people like yourself who you know, you, you said you didn't know about motor racing much before. Um, um, feel able to um, c- come in and do this kind of thing, and it, it sounds like actually um, for a for a photographer new to the environment like yourself, you you didn't have too much trouble making yourself known. It sounds like everyone was really inviting. They were brilliant, and um, and Goodwood was the perfect place to speak to people because. They're quite relaxed once they get up to the paddock. They've done their hill climb. You know, they're all having a good time in the paddock. So that's the perfect place to, to speak to them. And because that that first Festival of Speed 2014 that I went to, I couldn't walk very far at that point. So Paul had said to me, well, go and base yourself up in the top paddock because they all have to come up there. And you can you can just nab them. It's a captive audience. <laughs> so, um, which is what I did. I did, I did, they used to do the moving motor show on the Thursday. So I did um, get a couple of them, Matt Neal and Gordon Shedden. I, I nabbed there. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I just went up to the top paddock and stayed there all day and just, just spoke to people as they arrived, which was fantastic. And also Paul had said, Go and speak to Bruce Jones, who does the commentary, because he'll mm. he'll know um, drivers that aren't obvious to me. Because what I'd done is gone down the driver list, and the driver list helpfully kind of said what discipline everybody raced in and some of their achievements. So I kind of picked people off from there to start with, um, and then Bruce um, said, "Oh yeah, well one of the people that you really must have is Dario Franchitti." And he oh, yes. just, he's just arrived in the paddock, kind of like, oh, great. You know, because I wouldn't have looked at Dario's name and thought, oh, yeah, great British racing drivers. You'd have thought Italian, wouldn't you? Um, well, so... yes. And also, also, I think for a lot of British racing fans, because he won most of his trophies in America, mm. um, often he doesn't come to mind. But yeah. well, he's a for- he's a Formula E commentator and I forgot yeah. to ask about him. So that's another example. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Mm. So that's. Yeah, but, another... um, so so uh, did, did you find it um, easy to get him to relax? <laughs> Dario was hilarious. Um, so I I. As soon as Bruce pointed him out, I went over to him and said, introduce myself, told him what I was doing, gave him my card, and he sort of looked at it and, you know, what have you. He didn't say no, but he didn't say yes. And he just went, oh, okay. Because, you know, bearing in mind, he Mm. didn't know me from Adam. 
<laughs> he'd never seen me before never you know didn't know who the hell I was anyway so that was 2014 it took me until 2018 to take his picture <laughs> because good lord <laughs> just trying to get a date out of him once once he'd actually sort of thought yes I'll I'll actually do this and that was because he was talking to Stuart Graham who I'd oh. already photographed and Stuart was saying to him oh Dario you must see the picture that Indra took of me um because it was it was Stuart was really really good fun and he came up with his idea because I'd said to him Stuart I need to show the fact that you rode motorbikes and you race cars so I we need to show this you know what how are we going to do that and he said well I can get my motorbike leathers on underneath my race suit because I don't know if you know Stuart Graham but he's like a pencil he's really really tiny um pencil slim and I think they're still his original leathers that he gets Gosh. I mean wow. you know amazing anyway so he's he's got he's saying oh, I can get my leathers on underneath my race suit and do you know what why don't I just lie on the sofa it's like okay Graham why don't why Stuart why don't you just lie <laughs> on the sofa so we have this picture of Stuart Graham in his motorbike leathers with his race overalls sort of on up to his waist uh lying on his sofa like you do on a Tuesday afternoon um so he was showing Dario this picture and I think it was at that point Dario kind of thought okay um yeah let's do this so that was good um but then it took me another I don't know two years (laughs) to get a date out of him and in the end what I had to do was at uh revival could revival 2018 um I just went up to him and I said, Dario, I really need to do your picture now. We really need to sort a date out. And I'm not moving. I'm just going to follow you around now until you give me a date. <laughs> so I just I just stood there until he gave me. Well, he didn't give me a date. He gave me his, his card and said, right, email me at this this email and we'll sort a date out. And he did. So that was that was fine. But I think I think he probably took the longest. Um, to do you think maybe do you think maybe one reason for that is because of his career in America because of uh, being such a megastar being married to Ashley Judd for a while do you think maybe he perhaps was a bit more circumspect because he knew about the uh, you know the really big media over there maybe maybe um yeah i mean i think in the beginning he cuz he didn't really know me i didn't have a clear plan of what I was going to do you know and yeah he he might it might have been that and you know you can't you can't blame him because why would you just say yes to somebody who just rocked up in front Mm -hmm. of you going I'd like to take your picture for a project that I don't know what I'm going to do with um so yeah but but he never said no even Uh, from the very beginning so everybody is madly in love with him so Mm um yeah it's it's hilarious um but he's he's so nice you know um and easy to chat to and again we we just we went to his house um because i i'd just been up in scotland photographing louise aiken walker and unfortunately he wasn't 
we couldn't coordinate that he would be in Scotland when we were there, which was a bit of a shame because all his memorabilia is up was up there. Um, so the picture that we actually had to do, he's he's got one of his um, is it Indy five hundred rings? <laughs> this yeah, is how little right. I know about him. Yeah, he's he's only got one of those on rather than the three of them and things like that. But it it actually works you know, really well. You can do just a really simple portrait of Dario because he just looks so brilliant, you know, um, which, well, he, which is what we he, did. He's he's a rock star. He's a movie yeah. star. He's brilliant. Yeah. 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 Uh, but but nice with it, you know, so that makes it a lot easier. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, we've uh, we've run way over time and and that's that's really a great privilege and thank you for staying on for so long i appreciate that um and um i i just wonder if we can close uh, by perhaps you could you could you could tell me what what you would tell a young photographer who wants to get into the business of portrait photography um obviously we we've proved on this conversation that you can create your own exhibition. You can create your own job. But uh, what would you tell someone who wants to do it for themselves? You've just got to practice. And you can practice on anybody. You know, your mum, your dad, your brothers, your sisters, anybody. Just take pictures of people all the time. Um, and then it is just a question of, I mean, things have changed slightly. Well, they've changed a lot since I started. Because when I started, what you would do is perhaps um, assist photographers. That's always, I think, the best way to learn stuff is to assist other photographers. And don't necessarily just assist portrait photographers if that's what you're interested in. If you're not sure, assist lots of different people and then you'll find which thing suits you the best. But I think that's the best way to learn is from other photographers. Um, I mean, I used to have to, we stood in phone boxes with piles of 10Ps phoning photographers up going, can I come and work for you? Uh, which, of course, you don't have to do now. You can email them. But um, I think it's always nice to try and speak to people anyway, because people get so many emails, you know. Um, mm. it, it makes quite a change to actually have a conversation with somebody. So, um but yeah, I mean, basically, you know, in the words of um, Nicholas Hamilton, anything is possible. So you can you can do it if you if you want to, and um, it's just it's just putting your face in front of the right people a lot of the time, and it's mm -hmm. luck as well because I used to do mail outs and you're just randomly sending your picture out in a little postcard to people and if it happens to land on somebody's desk and it's the picture that they're looking for they'll ring you up so there's a lot of luck but it's a lot of hard work as well you have to put in the work yourself but you can you can do it and just don't be disheartened and keep going because eventually somebody will see what you're doing or like your pictures or whatever you know if you're if you're good so 
and um, I've um, just um, uh, putting the focus out to the wider, uh, well, to, to to the rest of your career. Um, is is there one particular shoot, maybe from recent years, that you're especially proud of? Um, maybe from outside of the exhibition. Oh gosh, um, one of the one of the early ones that I did, which I. I really loved at the time and I really still like it is I shot um, Johnny Morris who probably most of the people listening to this won't know who the hell he is. Um, he, animal magic. Animal magic. Oh, well done. Yeah. Um, animal magic, Johnny Morris. Cause a, it was just amazing to meet him having watched him on TV um, for all those years. He was exactly like he was on TV, hmm. which was even better. Um, and the picture that I got of him, I was really, really pleased with. It's just the expression on his face, everything just worked <laughs> perfectly. And that postcard, all the people that I met afterwards who'd got the postcard said, yeah, that is still on my wall. I love that postcard. And one art director even took it on a shoot that they were doing with Johnny Morris and got him to sign it. <laughs> I said, oh, we did better than I I never got a signed one. But I really like that picture. It just, it just worked perfectly. And it's a really simple shot. It's black and white headshot. You know, there's nothing fancy about it. Um, for those who um, either didn't grow up in the UK or um, aren't um, aren't as old as me, um, now my my mom puts Johnny Morris Animal Magic on TV for me to watch. I don't remember it, but I have seen reruns, and um, she, my mom keeps reminding me about the funny voices he would make yes. with the animals. Yes. So, uh, so so am I right that it was a children's show where yes. he played a zookeeper yeah. with f funny voiced animals? Yes, and he used to voice the animals. Um, I think he had Dorothy the ring-tailed lemur was one of the ones. Uh, and they, they they were live action animals. Yes, filmed they in were. The zoo, yes, weren't they? yes, mm. live animals. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, so um, that's perhaps not the person I thought you would choose, but I'm very happy you did. All right, who who did you think I would choose? Oh, I, I just I just thought you were going to choose someone from Hollywood or whatever, but I'm I'm quite pleased yeah. that you chose something personal yeah. like that. That's nice. I tell actually, I tell you who else was was a really lovely person to shoot mm. was uh, Tito Jackson from the Jackson Five. Oh right, he was lovely, and we had to go to a hotel to photograph him in I can't remember where Cumberland Place or somewhere. It wasn't a particularly lovely room but there was um I, I was really pleased with his picture he was wearing his he always wears a bowler hat or something hmm. and he's got this lovely bowler hat with a little feather in it and stuff but he was just really lovely and you kind of think how big were the jacksons the jackson five hmm. um you know but he was the most down-to-earth normal person <laughs> you know, you could wish to meet. He was lovely. So he, that, that was really, and what's really nice is when you meet people like that and they are like that, they're, they're really lovely and they speak to everybody in the room. There's no airs and grace. They're not starry or anything like that. They're, they're just really nice people, you know, and that is, that's lovely when you meet people like that. And 
the most recent shoot that I did just before Christmas, who wasn't a racing driver, was um, Sir Ben Ainsley. Hmm. And again, really lovely guy, very easy to talk to. I know nothing about sailing. I mean, I've watched him sail in the Olympics and things like that. So I know who he is and, and what have you. But I don't know anything about sailing. But you, I had a conversation with him and I was asking what he was doing this year and what have you. And he explained to me in a way that I would understand. He didn't get all technical and boaty on me. Um, really lovely guy. Had a, had a very nice um, afternoon shoot with him. So it's, it's nice when you meet people that you've seen on TV and they're lovely. Um, it's not so nice if they're a bit, a bit awkward, but, um, you know, who knows? Some people, they might have just had a really bad day. So you have to give them that. Um, but in general, we, we generally have a great time with the people that we photograph because, you know, you just kind of go in and, try and make it as pleasant as possible for them so that's always my mm. that's always my aim well that's that's really lovely um so um obviously um stay on skype after we finish recording and i'll i'll say thank you properly but um uh the great british racing drivers exhibition is on at the silverstone experience from now until i think the end of april is that right i think so yes i'm not i'm not sure yet so um watch this space <laughs> hmm. and um the gbrd book will be out do you have any idea when yet not sure not sure yet um hmm. i'm still i'm still writing my stories because i'm i'm not a writer so it takes me a while <laughs> to, okay. to do it but i i hope that i can get it out before the exhibition comes down but again that will all depend on funding um and stuff like that um but even if we don't get it out it'll be there ready waiting to go at some point so um if you go onto the uh website the gbrd website um you can send me an email which would register your interest in the book and then you'll i can update you and let you know what's happening that is lovely. Uh, and um, on, you're quite active on Twitter as well. Uh, how do people find you on Twitter if they want to? Um, it's, now you're asking me. <laughs> At, I, think, I think it's, G, it's G, GBRD Photos. Photos, it? yes, it is. I'm glad somebody knows what it is. Um, it's Yes, it's exactly that on, on Twitter and Instagram. It's the same on both. Excellent. Uh, and... Um, Indra Flack, thank you so much for spending so much time with us. And um, yes, uh, really appreciate you coming on. So uh, thank you. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. It was, a, it was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the eTalking podcast from Motion E. If you like this, then you can go on to motione.org to read our regular stories, or you can go to patreon.com and search for Motion E to find our subscription stories. Um, please do join us for the next episode. Thank you again.